0: Welcome to Brahm's show. We are going through the series, Why Christians Must Be Right, written and read by Brahm French. Real quick, before we get into it, I would like to give our condolences to the Williams family. Walter E. Williams, one of the greatest economists of our time, passed away just this week, and we are praying for the family. What a great legacy he left to the American people. Now, Why Christians Must Be Right, Chapter 4, Taxes. Historically speaking, taxation was a key motivator for the American colonists to cut the umbilical cord with England. However, England was not the first nation in history to be divided over taxation without representation. In the Bible, 1 Kings gives some great insight into the harmful effects of over-taxation. Upon the death of King Solomon, his son Rehoboam rose to the throne and was made king. Jeroboam, who previously fled from King Solomon into Egypt, heard that the king had died. Upon receiving this news, Jeroboam returned to Israel and with a congregation of Israel spoke to Rehoboam. They told the new king, "'Thy father made our yoke grievous.'" Now, therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. Rehoboam asked Jeroboam and the people of Israel to leave for three days, and he promised an answer upon their return. While Israel was gone, the king sought counsel. First he went to the old men that had counseled his father. The advice they gave him was tremendous. If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. However, the king forsook the counsel of the old men, and consulted with the young men with whom he had grown up. Their advice was the exact opposite of what the old men had advised. Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spoke to you, saying, Thy father make our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins, and now whereas my father did lay you with heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with scorpions. Jeroboam and the people came back to Rehoboam on the third day as he had asked. His answer to them, was, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with scorpions. When the people of Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, they were angry. The people realized their new king, whose lineage was through their beloved king David, had no concern for them, and they wanted no part of Rehoboam's authority. They became enraged and went to their tents to wait for the opportunity to be heard. The time for them to make their opinions heard came when Rehoboam sent out Adoram, the tax collector. All of Israel stoned him to death. Israel rebelled against the house of David and Rehoboam in particular. The only tribe that followed the house of David was the tribe of Judah and a portion of the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of Israel made Jeroboam, their king. I do not suggest that we kill the IRS man. However, there are some solid principles that we can take away from this story. One of the quickest ways to divide a nation is to raise taxes beyond the bearable limits of those paying them. This will cause either a mass exodus of the people who are paying the taxes or will eventually lead to an uprising among the people with the goal being to dethrone the sitting king. If there's a mass exodus and the rich leave our country who will hire those of us who have yet to acquire our wealth. Furthermore, what motivation would we have to seek greater wealth anyway? The reward for accumulating wealth is that the government will confiscate it. That type of policy does not induce productive behavior. The only other option is to dethrone the king. In America, of course, we have no king, but we do have three houses that, from time to time, need to be cleaned. The Senate, the House of Representatives, and the White House. The time has now come to clean our houses. Currently, many of the inhabitants of the houses are not governing in accordance with the will of the people, and they are ruling without fear of retribution on Election Day. This attitude can only lead to increasing taxation and government regulation. Our America will sink into poverty because the rich will vacate the premises and take our chances of employment with them. Taxes have an unseen effect on businesses, their owners, and those whom they employ. For example, several years ago, I owned a small business selling shoes. The business began to grow, and before long, it was doing quite well. I hired several employees and decided it was time to incorporate the business. Though I did not have stockholders, I did have a boss outside my company, the state. One of the issues I faced was that as a retailer, I was required to pay sales tax. This meant that some of the money I collected selling shoes had to be paid to the state. I could set the price of the product to include the tax payment, I could take taxes from my profits or I could determine that the business could not afford to operate with the additional cost of the taxes and close shop. I believe the best option for me was to include the sales tax in the price of the product and set the price at fifteen or $12 per pair. Being new to the world of business, I hadn't realized I needed to collect sales tax in the beginning. Prior to this discovery, I sold the shoes for $10 per pair. When the price was $10, I sold about 500 pairs in an average weekend. I purchased the shoes for $5, which would have resulted in a profit of $2,500. However, there were other expenses involved. The city where I sold the shoes was about two and a half hours from my house, so I commuted and stayed overnight at a motel. The cost of the motel was at least $50 per night. I also rented the property where I was selling the shoes, and that was $100. Fuel for the commute added another $160 to the cost, not to mention wear and tear on the vehicle. So my profit of $2,500 was reduced to $2,190. Furthermore, I had a partner with whom I split the profits, making my net profit $1,095. Not bad for a weekend, you may say. However, when I realized I had to collect and pay sales tax, and raised the price of a pair of shoes from $10 to $12, the average weekend sales dropped from 500 pairs to approximately 300 pairs. Unfortunately, none of our expenses decreased. Our only change was a lower profit margin. My net profit went from 1095 to 595 in a weekend. The people who are willing to buy 10 pairs of shoes for $100 were much less willing to pay to buy 10 pairs for $120. Instead, they would buy less and we would make less. Eventually, we closed shop. This means that our employees lost their jobs and had to look somewhere else for the funds that they made from the business. It also means that the government no longer received sales and income tax revenues from our operations. In other words, I no longer confiscate people's funds for them. In the Bible, Luke tells the story of the birth of the Savior. Let's let it speak for itself. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Sarus a governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Don't kid yourself. Taxation still leaves mothers and children out in the cold of night. The left has used class envy to pit the poor against the rich in order to raise taxes on the rich. However, the good intentions of the left never seem to work the way that they're supposed to. Do you think the rich men that went to Bethlehem to pay their taxes slept in the cold that night? No, they had servants that they most likely sent ahead in order to secure a room for them, knowing that there would be a huge crowd on, that, on their April 15th or their tax day. The only ones left in the cold were the middle class, the poor, and the less fortunate. Higher taxes do not bring wealth, but poverty. If you raise the taxes on the local convenience store to make that company pay its fair share, The store will raise its prices, try to cut back in other areas, such as reducing hours of employees, or close its stores. The prophet Daniel gives a prophecy of one who raises taxes. He writes, Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom. But within few days he shall be destroyed, neither by anger nor in battle. That's Daniel chapter 11. Verse number 20. What would remove this ruler? Please, Lord, please let it be an election. Can you hear the inflection in my voice? We have lived to see a day when it appears that the predominant thought in our culture is that it is the government's job to feed, clothe, provide medical treatment, and general care for the country's citizens from candle, from cradle to grave. God and his followers used to be the ones our countrymen turned to in times of need. I believe they still should. When Jesus was asked by the Pharisees if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, he responded, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny, that I may see it. Whose is the image and superscription? After they said that it was Caesar's, Jesus said, Render to Caesar the thing that are Caesar's, and To God, the things that are God's. Here, Jesus makes a clear distinction to the chagrin of many in the welfare state of mind between government and the church. However, as government grows, the church generally shrinks. Consider the food stamp program. If your family was in need of food, you used to be able to go to your church and your fellow members would disperse food to you as you needed it. However, now there is no need for the church. At least in the minds of many, to give out food. You can simply go down to your local health and human services department and they will give you food stamps or a card that can be used to purchase food at your local grocery store. The left does not really want separation of church and state, they want a knitting of church and state. In other words, they want them knit so closely together that to have one i.e. the church, you must worship at the altar of the other, i.e. the state. However, Jesus draws the line in Mark 12, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Now the Christian left, if there is such a thing, has a problem. So they then must blur the lines that Jesus so clearly marked out. How do they do it? They take ministry from the church And place it in the government therefore we now have a government in facets of our lives that were never meant to only or that were meant only to be filled by God and the church this plays out in the streets homes schools and on the jobs of many Americans today we have a population that fears the government but not the Creator we can see that with the rise of sin and carnality we panic when we see a police officer, when our taxes are due, or when we get a call or a visit from some government official. But we don't think twice about missing church or skipping our personal prayer time. We have been lied to and robbed by the government. Government and politicians have told us that they can meet all our needs. But the more they try to meet them, the more needs arise. It becomes a cycle. The more we yearn for freedom, the tighter the stronger hold becomes. It is time for us as Christian Americans to stand up to the giant and demand that he get out of our lives and out of our pocketbooks.